Welcome everyone to another week of Ramban al Torah. Um, we're still in the midst of a horrific war, and our learning is still dedicated to the swift victory, and to the release of the hostages, and to the refuah for those who are injured. Okay, 304 fascinating Rambans today. There is no theme, I'm sorry for that, it's like an eclectic group, but each of the Rambans is really, really important. Let's start at the very beginning of the Parsha, or even before. Uh, the parsha starts, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megurei Aviv Be'eretz Kenan. But what's really going to bother the Ramban is, why doesn't the parsha start with the next pasuk? Ela Toldot Yaakov, Yosef Ben Shvas, right? All, you know, we've had these before. Ela Toldot Yitzchak, even Ela Toldot Avram, right? What's wrong with starting from Ela Toldot Yaakov? Why the need for the first pasuk? And here the Ramban is going to speak, going to point us to, even before we see it, the end of last week's parsha starts uh, the 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 the, par- the last in last week's parsha starts ve'ela toldot esav hu adam which makes complete sense right and then the last pasuk of last week's parsha says aluf magdiel aluf iram ela alufe adam lemoshivotam be'eretzachuzatam hu esav achi adam avi adam and the Ramban is going to point out the difference between Ela alufe Edom Lemoshivotam and Vayeshev Yaakov Beretz Migure Aviv. Says the Ramban Ki Amasha Alufe Esav Yashvu Beretz Achuzatam. The previous Pasuk had told us that the children of Esav sat Beretz Achuzatam. Eretz Achuzatam means their permanent home, the land they're going to live in forever. This is their inheritance. Esav has chosen to live in Eretz Edom. Aval Yaakov Yashav Ger Ke'aviv Be'eretz Lo Lahem Ela Likina'an. But Yaakov chose not to live in Eretz Achuzatam. Yaakov chose to live Be'eretz Migure Aviv. As Avraham said, Ger Vitoshav Anochi Machem as Yitzchak saw himself as being a Ger. It's true. It's the land that HaKadosh Baruch is going to give to us. But it's not the land that he's already given to us because the, the sin of Canaan hasn't been filled. And so it's not yet our home. So Yaakov lived in the land as a stranger. V'hakavana lahagid ki hein bo charim lagur be'eretz hanivcheret we think to ourselves from time to time, or all the time, that, okay, Yaakov stole the brachos, or however you're going to describe it, and that's the end of the story. But it's not the end of the story, because the brachos have two parts. Right? You're going to get Eretz Yisrael, but how are you going to get Eretz Yisrael? First, Brisbane Absarim. And you think to yourself, well, in the sweep of history, thousands of years later, how much is 400 years? But at the time, 400 years was real. And even if they only spent 210 years in Eretz Mitzrayim, 210 years is, is real. I personally don't plan to live 210 years. It's 
It's my whole life. It's the whole life of my children. And so the Ramban is saying that Esav not only didn't get the bracha, but he rejected the bris ben Absarim. It's my understanding, I think the Ramban thinks so also, that they all knew the bris ben Absarim. It had to be that Avram told Yitzchak, it had to be that Yitzchak told Yaakov. And the child, Yaakov, who is, who is going to be called Zara, Ki bi Yitzchak, Yikarei Zara, says the Gemara, bi Yitzchak, v'lo kal Yitzchak, right? And the same thing for Yaakov. A part of Yaakov, but not all of Yaakov. So Esav could have claimed part of the bracha had he stayed in Eretz Yisrael. But at that point, Esav said, I'm not interested in the, I'm not interested in Geri Yazachav Eretz Lolohem. I'm going to move to my own land. And when the Pasuk says that Yaakov lived Be'eretz Migurei Aviv, says the Ramban, the real Chiddush of Be'eretz Migurei Aviv is that he lived as a Ger in a land that wasn't his. And he did so to sort of emphasize his claim that after they go to Mitzrayim and after they fulfill the Pasuk, right, then they come home and Eretz Kinan becomes Eretz Moshvotam, becomes Eretz Achuzasam, Achuzatam, becomes the land that was promised to them and the land that Yaakov's children would live in forever. Okay, so the first Pasuk of the Parsha is not just a throw-in. Vayeshev Yaakov, Eretz Eretz Kinan, for the Ramban, it's not just a throw-in. It's to contrast it with the previous Parsha. It's con- contrasted Vayel Toldot Esav, who chose as Eretz Achuzatam another land. Yaakov, in comparison to that, chose Eretz Yisrael to be the land that he and his children remained in and lived in. And nevertheless, that was Eretz Megurehem. That was the land of Gerut. When they came back, it was then that it became the land that they, that they belonged in. What's interesting is that, you know, we know that the Medrash says, or the Gemara says, that Yitzchak was not allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael, right? But it wasn't really because Eretz Yisrael at that time was the Eretz Hanifcheret. On some level, it must be that it's the Eretz Hanifcheret. But the Ramban says, Yitzchak, right, we think that if we learn the Pasuk literally, that it starts from the birth of Yitzchak, right? So Yitzchak had to live in Eretz Yisrael as a ger, even though we think that Yitzchak as an Ola Tmima had to live in Eretz Yisrael because he was too holy to live in Chutz Both things could be true at the same time, right? It was going to be the Eretz Hanifcheret, so at some point in potential it was the Eretz Hanifcheret, but he lived there as a ger, and all of his problems with Avimelech and other people were because he was living there as a ger. Okay, I think that's a fascinating Ramban and one that is not well enough known. Pasuk Bet in our Pasha, a separate but fascinating idea. What was the dynamic of the house of Yaakov? Right, he had 11 sons and he had 12 sons. What was the relationship like? So the Pasuk says, Eile toledog Yaakov, Yosef ben Shva Esrei Shana Hayaro et Achav Batson, and the Ramban is going to try to figure out, A, what it means, and related to that is, who is the subject of, who's about who did Yosef HaTzadik, although maybe not at this point, speak Lashon Hara. So says the Ramban, Vuhu na'ar et b'nei bilha, 
Shehaya, so this is Rashi. Shehaya osen maasen na'arot, he acted immaturely. Memashmesh be'enav umitaken b'sa'arot. He played with his hair, he fixed his eyes, maybe wore some kind of makeup, I don't know. All to make him beautiful. And et b'nei bilha, says Rashi, klomar. Viragil et b'nei bilha, lefi shahayu echav mevazin otan, v'hu mekarvan. Rashi says, no, he was friends with B'nai Bilha and B'nai Zilpah, with those four sons, he was friends, because B'nai Leah mistreated them, and Yosef treated them well. And at Dibatam Ra'ah, Kol Ra'ah Shaya Ro'ah Be'echav B'nai Leah Hayam Magid La'aviv. That's Rashi. Okay? So according to Rashi, he's best friends with the B'nai Bilha and the B'nai Zilpah, and the Diba that he told to his father was Diba related to the B'nai Leah, not related to the B'nai Zilpah and the B'nai Bilha. That's Rashi. Says the Ramban. Uh-uh. The Ramban says, V'im kein, lama lo hitzilu b'nei ha-shefachot, shehaya ohevotam u'mekarvan. Right? If that were the case, when the b'nei Leah said, let's sell Yosef, why didn't the, the b'nei ha-shefachot say, don't, we love him. U'magid lo'aviv al-hechav b'bizyonam. Right? And he told his father that B'nai Leah were mistreating the B'nai Bilha and the B'nai Zilpah. It doesn't make sense, says the Ramban. And if we're going to say, well, the B'nai Leah were the big guys, and they were the older brothers, and the B'nai Ashvachot were afraid of them, there are four of them. And Reuven, the oldest son, already staked out his position that he didn't want to kill Yosef. That's six. That's six again, five. And the six should beat the five. And the Ramban points out the obvious. Right? There's not going to be a, a civil war amongst brothers. The brothers would have just said, okay, you don't want to sell Yosef. You're going to tell our father if we do it. We're not going to do it. Certainly the Pshat and the Psukim seems to be that they were all in on the idea. They all had this idea, and they all were in favor of, of selling Yosef. So what's going on? What's Pshat and the Psukim? I'm skipping a little in the Ramban, and the Ramban says, V'amar, ki hu na'ar, v'hu im b'nei bilha, v'im b'nei zilpa, n'she'aviv tamid. He did spend all of his time with the b'nei bilha, the b'nei zilpa. Lo yi pared mehem ba'avur na'aruto. So the Ramban says, okay, he had a stick with them because he was young. Ki lahem tziva avihem sheyishmeruhu v'yishartuhu lo livnei hagvirot. Yaakov Avinu told the Bnei Bilha and the Bnei Zilpah that they had to take care of Yosef. For obvious reasons, he didn't want to tell the Bnei Leah that they had to take care of Yosef. There was obviously tension. There was a lot of tension. So fine. So the, the, the first part of the puzzle, V'hu na'aret b'nei bilhav b'nei zilpah, has nothing to do with them liking each other. It has to do with that was their job. In addition, says the Ramban, V'hu me'vi me'hem dibara'a el And the dibara'a that Yosef brought to his father, it was about the b'nei bilhav and the b'nei zilpah, because they spent all their time together. V'lachain yisnu elahar ha'achim. So these four children, the b'nei ashvachot, hated Yosef because he spoke Lush and Har about them. Now, just as an aside, you know, you say to yourself, this is Yosef Atzadik. So I'll, I'll just point out to you, like, I think 
There is no personality in Sefer Bracious that went through more of a transformation than Yosef. And I think at this point, the Ramban really does think he was immature. Right? He got all his brothers to hate him. Then the Pasuk says that Yaakov loved Yosef the most. Then the other sons, the Bnei Leah, saw that Yaakov Avinu loved Yosef best, and that made them jealous. They were the children of a real wife. Why should Yaakov love Yosef best? So they hated him. Nimtsa sanu mikulam. Right? The Bnei Leah hated him because Yaakov loved him. The Bnei Ashvachos hated him because he brought Diba el Avihem. He talked Lash and Hor about them. Bnei Agvirot yekanu bo liman yehavoto mehem vehem Bnei Gvira kamohu. They were jealous. Ubnei Ashvachot asher lo yekanu bazel lemaalato alehem. The Bnei Ashvachot knew that Yosef was what, had a higher standing than them. So they weren't jealous of him. But But they hated him because he spoke Lashon Har about him. So unlike Rashi, who thinks four of the children loved Yosef, the Ramban thinks it's not true. The Ramban thinks Yosef spent his time with the Bnei Bilha, the Bnei Zilpah, because his father required it. But at the end of the day, that led him to speak Lashon Har about them. And the other brothers hated him because Yaakov favored him. So basically, there was no one who loved Yosef, or said another way. They all hated Yosef, and that's how the Mechira came to be, and that's why no one stood up for him. Okay. Um, one more. Let's try to make some, uh, some progress. Okay. One more, I think, interesting Ramban just... It's interesting because the Ramban touches on a fundamental issue of God's Hanhaga of the Olam. God's divine providence. Obviously, we have Bechira Chavshis, but this is a problem that comes up from time to time in the Ramban, and it's part of the Psukim that don't really, they're not really necessary for the story, right? Yaakov sends Yosef to find the brothers. Okay, that's a big question why Yosef, did, why Yaakov did that if he knew that the brothers hated Yosef. But then you find the Pasuk. <speaking in Hebrew> Right? It's a beautiful song, not really so meaningful in this context, because Yosef and his brothers did not like each other. But Hagida Nali Efohem Rohim. What's this what's the story with this man? Right? He meets a man. Um, and the man puts him back on the on the track. So says the Ramban Yomar Kihutoe Min Haderech. Okay, the first thing is, Yosef is lost. That seems obvious in the Pesukim. He's looking in the fields. Why? Where would you bring sheep to graze if not in a field? Now, the Torah takes the time to tell us this little interlude. And an encounter between Yosef and the Ish, which is unnecessary for the story. So the Raman, you have to you have to acknowledge the following. Yosef's doing a great thing now. Yosef's listening to his father, even though he knows that the brothers hate him. Okay, maybe Yosef's growing up now. 
This is the bigger point I want to make. So Shevel says this is a, f- a phrase from some Pasuk. But what it means is the Gzeira Emet, what God wants is going to happen. And human intervention and human activity, that's not going to last. Right? Yosef is listening to his father, despite the fact that he needs to be nervous about it because his brothers hate him. And he goes to find his brothers and he can't find them. And he's actually searching. Instead of just giving up and saying, well, I went, they weren't there. I went to Shechem, they weren't there. So I came home. No, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends an Ish to, to tell him, he didn't know it was a malach, because he needed to land up with his brothers and he needed to be sold to Mitzrayim so that the whole story could take place. Right? Why would the, why would Chazal start interpreting the Pasuk Shalok Pshuto that this person was Gavriel and he was a Malach? The answer is because it's unnecessary to the story and because there's something else going on. Because the Torah is not telling us a story for no purpose. The point of the story is simple. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu leaves things up to us, and sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu is forced to intervene. Right? At that point in history, the most important thing that had to happen was that Yosef needed to go to Mitzrayim so that eventually Yaakov and his sons would follow him to Mitzrayim. And says the Ramban, that had to happen no matter what. So if it was going to happen naturally, and if Yosef, this is how I understand it, if Yosef was going to go to Shechem and find his brothers, fine. They would have sold him then, and the story would have taken place. But Yosef went to Shechem, and his brothers weren't there. So there was a risk at that point. He really looked. He looked as hard as he could. There was a risk that he'd have to give up and go home. And then what would happen to the Brisbane Absarim? And what would happen to So says the Ramban, sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu intervenes in human history. And he does it by way of an Ish. Right? You could read these Psukim as, okay, it's a coincidence. He was lost. He found somebody. This somebody happened to know where the brothers were. And so he sent him on his way. But Chazal said, that's not what happened. This somebody is a malach. And the malach was there. Ki dvar Hashem ki emet sheker. Because we're not in charge of the world. HaKadosh Baruch is in charge of the world. And sometimes HaKadosh Baruch has to intervene. Because he has to make sure that the plan works out. And the plan was that B'nai Yisrael got him Israel. Now you could say to me, okay, there are other ways that HaKadosh Baruch could have done it. It's true. But at some point, Yosef had to be sent to Mitzrayim, and his family had to follow him 22 years later. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that this was the point. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the Malach, and the point is sometimes when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants something to happen, or Kiviachal, sometimes when HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs something to happen, he's going to make it happen. And all of the planning and all of the, the, the effort and all everything that's to do with human beings... It won't matter 
HaKadosh Baruch is going to make it happen. And in this case, he did, by way of sending the Malach. It's true, Yosef had to choose on his own to follow, and Chazal make it clear that when the Malach tells him different things, you know, Nasumizeh, and the Medrash says, Nasumin Ha'achva, Yosef didn't understand the conversation at all. If the Malach had said to him, Nasumin Ha'achva, they hate you, Yosef wouldn't have gone to Dotan. The Ramban thinks he wouldn't have gone. But Chazal say the Malach told him they're in Dotan, and the deeper meaning of the Malach's message to Yosef was that your brothers hate you. But it wasn't said in a way that would, that would alarm Yosef. And so he missed that point completely. And he went to Dotan. And there his brothers, you know, threw him in a pit. And eventually he was sold. And the story played out exactly as HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. Okay, last Ramban. And this is really, it's unrelated to anything. But I find it fascinating. And even if we're not going to fully understand, well, I think we might. Even if we're not, we need to learn this together. Okay, the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Okay, Yehuda has two sons, Aaron and Onan, and then he has a third son, Shelah, and they both die. And Yehuda says, Vayoma Yehuda Onan, this is the second son, Bo eleshet achicha v'yabemota v'hakem zera achicha. Wait, is Yibum one of the Zion mitzvahs b'nei Noach? Like, what's the mitzvah of Yibum doing in Sefer Bracious. Right? This seems highly unusual. But it, there's a deeper point that Ramban wants to make. So first he quotes Rashi, and this is our general understanding. He says, okay, when, you, when the child is born of the second son, again, the first son died without any children. So the second son is Miyabim Tamar, the wife of the first son. And Rashi says, you have to name the son who's going to be born from the union of the second son with Tamar, you have to name him after the dead son. So in theory, right, the first, the, the son who would be born would be called heir. Says Ramban, Ve'ein's emet, it's not true. Ki b'mitzvat ha-Torah ne'emar gamkein yokum al-shem ochiv ha-meit v'lo Israel. Torah law, which is not yet, but later on when the mitzvah of Yibum is given, the same pasuk is written, right? Yakum al-shem achiv ha-meit, ve'ein ha-yabam mitzvah likro livno k'shem achiv ha-meit. Right? But that's not the pshat in the pasuk. Nobody thinks that the din of Yibum requires the Yavam to name the son after the dead brother. V'amar, here's a good example. B'boaz, v'gam etrut ha-mo'ivah eshet machlon k'aniti li le'isha la'akem shem ha-meit al-nachalato, Right? The Pulsic says they named him, you know, that the son was born, it was the union from Yibum, but they didn't name him after the dead brother. In addition, the Torah says that Onan did not complete the union with Tamar because he knew that the son would be named after his brother and says the Ramban, What's so bad about naming your son after your brother who died? Right? We want to name children after dead relatives. It's less a thing in Israel than it is in America. But that's generally our feeling. It's an honor to name. God forbid you lost somebody who was important to you, who you loved. You lost your brother. Of course you'd want to name your son after your brother. The Torah goes out of its way to say 
that Onan did not complete, you know, the act with Tamar, because he didn't want to name his son after his brother, why didn't he? The Torah doesn't say that Onan said, I'm not going to complete the act with Tamar, because then I'm going to have to name my son after my brother. It says, He knew, What does that mean? That he would not have the child. Says the Ramban, he knew he had an absolute deep understanding that the child would not be his. What does that mean? Aval ha'inyan sod gadol adam. He says the explanation for yibum, and again, this is not the mitzvah of yibum. This is the concept of Yibum. He said the concept of Yibum is one of the great secrets of the Torah, which I think we can understand on some level. And it's clear to anybody with eyes and ears. And Intelligent people, I don't think he means Talmud, intelligent people, even before Har Sinai, even before Matat Torah, knew the secret. What is it? There's a great benefit when the brother, the next brother in line, marries the, the widow of the first brother who had no children. He should do it first. If he doesn't, another member of the family can do it. Because anybody in the family will have this benefit. Okay? The Raman says, I don't know if Yehuda is the first time this happened in the history of the world, and therefore he's the first person to introduce Yibum, or it happened before it was well known. But what is it? So the Ramban explains, we won't read it inside, because we're running out of time, but also because it's, it's confusing. The Ramban explains what, what we would all assume, which is when the second son has a child, with the first with the first wife, that son belongs, the father of that son is heir, not Onan. Now, physically, I guess genetically, of course Onan is the father. Heir is dead, and he died well before Onan would have had relations with Tamar. But it's some the secret is, you know, in English you would call that transmigrations of souls, something like that. The secret is on some level. Vayeda Onan Kilo Lo Onan understood that even if he had relations with Tamar and she gave birth to what was or what should have been physically, genetically his son, it would not really be his son. There's something about how the world works. There's something about how Akadashbah who created the world that tells us that a son that's born through Yibum belongs 
The real father is the dead father. Nothing to do, like Rashi says, with naming him after it. It's much deeper than that. It's literally his son, even though physically it's not his son. Now, I'm going to stop here in terms of trying to explain it, because anything I say will detract from it. That's my basic understanding, you know, beyond that. The bigger question is, what does it mean that Yibum existed before Matan Torah? And then what? Then HaKadosh Baruch who gave us a mitzvah to continue this tradition, right? Otherwise, right, it's also to marry your wife's, um, it's also to marry your brother's wife, right? And those people who marry their brother's wife, the Torah gives you a klala, right? You're going to be childless. Later on in Devarim, the Torah gives you the exception, okay? You'll be childless unless you do it through the mitzvah of Yibum. So I'm raising the issue without answering it. The issue is, did this mitzvah really exist? And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what? This is a good mitzvah. I should give it to Klal Yisrael, right? That would open up the whole possibility that there's more going on in Sefer Bracious than we normally give it credit for, right? There are ideas, there are mitzvahs, there are things. We know that Sefer Bracious really matters. We know more than just Ma'asa'avot Simon Labanim, or as the Ramban says, Ma'asa'avot Yitzira Labanim, that it really creates a future and it teaches us how to behave but maybe even halachically, if not narrowly halachically, the idea that something that happened in Sefer Bracious was then adopted later by HaKadosh Baruch Hu and put into the Tarag Mitzvot, because it's a concept that really exists and really matters in the Torah, that's a fascinating idea. I think a part of that is true. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just raising it. But we've seen really, really good things today. We saw that the brachos, even though they were taken by Yaakov in the previous parsha, they still need to play out. And one of the reasons we got the brachos is because Yaakov Avinu chose to live Be'eretz Megurehem, and Esau chose to live Be'eretz Achuzatam. We also saw the dynamics of the house of Yaakov, that the Bnei Leah, according to Rabban, hated him because they were jealous, and the Bnei Ashvachos hated Yosef because he was Mevi Dibara El Avihem, and in the end, says the Ramban, everybody hated Yosef. We saw that this man was not just a man, he was a malach. And that the point is when HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to manipulate events to achieve the result that he needs, he will do so. And finally, this fascinating idea of Yibum, a mitzvah that existed in Sefer Bracious before it ever existed as a mitzvah satora. Okay, that's it for today. Shabbat Shalom, and I'll see you next week. Kol Tov. Thank you.